episode 56. Something crashed on the bed behind Winston's back. The head of a ladder had been thrust through the window and had burst in the frame. Someone was climbing through the window. There was a stampede of boots up the stairs. The room was full of solid men in black uniforms with iron-shod boots on their feet and truncheons in their hands. Winston was not trembling any longer. Even in his eyes, he barely moved. One thing alone mattered, to keep still, to keep still, and not give them an excuse to hit you. A man with a smooth prize fighter's jowl in which the mouth was only a slit paused opposite him, balancing his truncheon meditatively between thumb and forefinger. Winston met his eyes. The feeling of nakedness with one's hands behind one's head and face and body all exposed was almost unbearable. The man protruded the tip of a white tongue, licked the place where his lips should have been, and then passed on. There was another crash. Someone had picked up the glass paperweight from the table and smashed it to pieces on the hearthstone. The fragment of coral, a tiny crinkle of pink like a sugar rosebud from a cake rolled across the mat. How small, thought Winston, how small it always was. There was a gasp and a thump behind him, and he received a violent kick on the ankle, which nearly flung him off his balance. One of the men had smashed his fist into Julia's solar plexus, doubling her up like a pocket ruler. She was thrashing about on the floor, fighting for breath. Winston dared not turn his head even by a millimeter, but sometimes her livid, gasping face came within the angle of his vision. Even in his terror, it was as though he could feel her pain in his own body, the deadly pain which nevertheless was less urgent than the struggle to get back breath. He knew what it was like the terrible, agonizing pain which was there all the while, but could not yet be suffered, because before all else it was necessary to be able to breathe. Then two of the men hoisted her up by knees and shoulders and carried her out of the room like a sack. Winston had a glimpse of her face, upside down, yellow and contorted with the eyes shut, and still with a smear of rouge on either cheek. And that was the last he saw of her. He stood dead still. No one had hit him yet. Thoughts which came of their own accord but seemed totally uninteresting began to flit through his mind. He wondered whether they had got Mr. Charrington. He wondered what they had done to the woman in the yard. He noticed that he badly wanted to urinate and felt a faint surprise because he had done so only two or three hours ago. He noticed that the clock on the mantelpiece said nine, meaning 21. But the light seemed too strong. Would not the light be fading at 21 hours on an August evening? 
He wondered whether, after all, he and Julia had mistaken the time, had slept the clock round and thought it was 20.30, when really it was not 8.30 on the following morning. But he did not pursue the thought further. It was not interesting. There was another, lighter step in the passage. Mr. Charrington came into the room and the demeanor of the black uniformed men suddenly became more subdued. Something had also changed in Mr. Charrington's appearance. His eye fell on the fragments of the glass paperweight. Pick up those pieces, he said sharply, and a man stooped to obey. Mr. Charrington's accent had disappeared, and suddenly, Winston realized whose voice it was that he had heard a few moments ago on the telescreen. Mr. Charrington was still wearing his old velvet jacket, but his hair, which had been almost white, was now black. Also, he was not wearing his spectacles. He passed Winston a single sharp glance as though verifying his identity and then paid no more attention to him. He was still recognizable, but he was not the same person any longer. His body had straightened and seemed to have grown bigger. His face had undergone only tiny changes, but nevertheless, those changes worked a complete transformation in his appearance. The black eyebrows were less bushy, the wrinkles were gone. The lines of the face seemed to have altered entirely. Even the nose seemed somehow shorter. It was now the alert, cold face of a man about 35. And it occurred to Winston that for the first time in his life, he was looking, knowing that he was looking, at a member of the Thought Police. End of part two.